Entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know. It's the TC Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know. I had an idea. Diagnosis. I had an idea, and then uh... prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why it's funny? It wasn't. It wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about it. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not funny. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me? Yeah, I don't know. I had an idea. That's the result you won't get. It's the doctor, TC Martin. I don't go out there and laugh. The doctor is now in. All right, welcome to another terrible Tuesday edition, hour number two. I want to thank BJ Armstrong for joining us in hour number one. Go to the website, check everything out there at tcmartinshow.com. And again, uh, what we led with earlier today, Mark andre Fleury traded by the Vegas Golden Knights to the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, we are told, or reading reports, and Kelly McCrimmon had an exit interview with Mark andre Fleury back on June the 29th, and... Uh, said to Marc-Andre that uh, they, he wasn't sure exactly what was going to happen uh, with uh, the goal, goalie situation, that he could be traded, and Marc-Andre Fleury was caught off guard. A statement from his agent, Alan Walsh, today said, while Marc-Andre Fleury still hasn't heard from anyone within the Vegas Golden Knights organization, he has apparently been traded to Chicago Mark Andre will t- be taking time to discuss his situation with his family and seriously evaluate his hockey future at this time. So, seven million dollars come off the books for the Vegas Golden Knights. Obviously, Knights fans not happy about this at all. The face of the franchise for the past four seasons. He is thirty-six years old. He was well, the highest-paid player with the Golden Knights, and Mark Andre Fleury will not be here this upcoming season when they reconvene in October. So uh, n- not news that Golden Knights fans wanted to hear. You're going to ha- have fans that are divided in the situation. And going back to what uh, Frank and I were talking about last hour, you can handle the situation much better than the Golden Knights front office did. And if Alan Walsh puts out any kind of a uh, picture or something, whose name will be on the sword? Yeah, right. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, there's, that's a possibility. Marc-Andre Fleur is the nicest guy in the world. There's a reason he has an agent like Alan Walsh. Because mm-hmm. Walsh is not afraid to be the bad guy and do what he thinks he has to do or whatever for the best in his clients. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure where all this lands. Like I say, all I can say is I wish Marc-Andre Fleury all the best no matter where he goes. Yep. And uh, again, not uh, not a great time if you're a Vegas Golden Knights fan feeling that uh, you know, your most popular player is no longer here. It's terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. Well, you and I just both love watching the Olympics, and I, you have a better beat on what's going on right now because you're a night owl and you're seeing a lot of these events. But this Olympic coverage for me is very hard to follow, and I'm getting upset with it. Because unless you're a sleep-deprived person and you can watch all night, well, it's not even that because you're not even watching the main things at at, at 1.45 or 2.30 or 3.30 in the morning. You're you're watching a lot of the subsidiary type of sports. But it's it's very hard because of the 16-hour time difference 
and you know NBC wants to show things in prime time. Now we've run into this situation a lot over the, I'd say the last decade or so, especially with social media being as prevalent as this. But it's very hard to follow. And a perfect example is this. Today I wake up this morning and I'm getting the news about USA Gymnastics got the silver medal. It's like, well, wait a minute. I mean, I didn't even get a chance to see any of the competition, you know, live. Simone Biles withdraws from the team final. Uh, We see the results on ESPN. We see it on social media before we actually get a chance to watch the competition. And here's the, the frustrating thing here is that it's not even being able to watch it live. We're not given that opportunity. So it's one thing to kind of know or remember way back in the day is like, hey, if you don't want to know this, you know, in local news or, you know, turn your head or, you know, turn down your volume or whatever. Now everybody wants to break the news first. So, you know, I know the ratings are, are not going to be high with all this thing, with all these things. But like now tonight, we already know what happened. And NBC is going to build it up like, OK, in prime time, we're going to watch the women's gymnastics team final. And we're going to already know about Simone Biles. And this is a huge story here. But for me, it ruins it. I think for a lot of people, it ruins it. And it's just, you don't, when you look forward to these things, once every four years, in this case, five years, you you don't want to just, you know, be flipping a channel. And then, boom, there it is on the the bottom crawl. It's like, man, I was looking forward to seeing this later. I want to watch stuff live. And I can't do it. Well, and the other thing, too, is, I mean, the Simone Biles thing is kind of a strange situation. There was talk about she injured something. Now there's a lot of talk coming out that it's a mental health issue, that uh, she said she's been depressed and seeing a therapist and doing some other stuff. So we don't even know exactly what happened to her. Uh, the team did manage to get the silver without Simone in there. But uh, the Russian Olympic Committee, which I also find kind of silly that that's what The Rock? Yeah. That, ROC? Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and remember, that's because some Russian athletes had tested positive for steroids and that they were going to kick everybody out. Then they said, OK, well, you can perform, but you're not going to perform under Russia. So they're the Russian Olympic Committee. So strange stuff there. But I mean, they were exuberant because now they've won the gold medal in women's gymnastics. I don't know what this does to Simone Biles, her legacy in that. I have a feeling that at least over here in this country, people will forget about that. I know there's a lot of mental health issues that people talk about all over the place. We know Naomi Osaka, Simone Biles. There's a lot of people about it. But, uh, yeah, it is kind of weird. But, yeah, I mean, I'm fortunate. Well, I don't know if it's fortunate enough, but I do stay up late a lot of times when I can't sleep. And I do see a lot of these things live. But even I have to look all the time and see, oh, this is a repeat of the beach right, volleyball. Right. Or this, oh, but those are the subsidiary sports. We expect that in the middle of the night we're going to see that live. Right. But, I mean, I've but, seen, yeah. like, but I've seen the three-on-three women's basketball right. live. I've seen the softball live. I, I have seen some stuff. I saw the fencing one that was live when they won the the you know yeah. the, the first gold medal in in fencing for the USA and in, yeah. in the women's and that. But but yeah, it is strange. And I was watching soccer in that. By the way, that USA soccer match last night uh, against Australia. The, the, worst the women's you're talking game. about, yes. right? Nil, was it nil nil the final? Yes. Both teams knew <laughs> that basically Sweden was going to win over New Zealand. So if they had a draw. Oh that they were going to advance, neither team did anything. Australia yes, tried in pathetic. the first half, and then for pathetic. the last 10 minutes, all Australia did was just stand there and kick it yeah. between four of the girls. It was so boring. Even the announcers were – the one-woman announcer was going crazy, going, I wish they would try to do something. Yeah. This obvious, This is the worst 
watching Olympics experience I've ever had. And I just hope that it gets better as we get into the track and field. But it's going to be the same thing when you're dealing with, you know, these events that are, you know, 16 hours ahead of us and we already know the outcome. So speaking of Simone Biles, uh, this is what she had to say uh, after the press conference, after the Team USA got the silver medal and, it, you know, there was a lot of question marks, like like you said, Frank, whether she was injured or not. So she addressed all this here today. No, um, no injury, thankfully. And that's why I took a step back because I didn't want to do something silly out there and get injured. So I thought it was best if these girls took over and did the rest of the job, which they absolutely did. They're Olympic silver medalists now, and they should be really proud of themselves for how well they did last minute having to go in. Um and it's been really stressful this Olympic Games. I think just as a whole, um, not having an audience, there are a lot of different variables going into it. It's been a long week. It's been a long Olympic process. It's been a long year. Um, so just a lot of different variables. And I think we're just a little bit too stressed out. Um, but we should be out here having fun. And sometimes that's not the case. There it is. And I think this is the bottom line here. You know, people like to throw the term mental health out there. Some people fully don't understand it. Yes, we understand it's a real thing. But what she's saying here is, is that there's pressure and she's stressed. There's immense pressure when you are Simone Biles or anyone for that matter. You mentioned Naomi Osaka uh, in the past. This is all pressure and stress based. Some people can handle it better than others. And I know there are going to be people out there saying, well, listen, athletes have been dealing with this for a long time. And that is true. You've been always taught to just to fight through it and that sort of thing. But there are certain athletes and certain people in general that have problems dealing with stress and pressure. And I I can relate to this. And so for people that are ripping Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka and other people like that, you just you got to take a chill pill, and it's not the time to do that because they're going through a lot of pressure, and they feel it, especially with gymnasts. This is their shining moment. I mean, this is their time that they're really building their financial future because if you get gold and you get multiple golds, you are going to be set up for a very long time with endorsement deals, and if you don't perform well, then you're not, and then you got to find another job. And when you're 16, 18, 19, 20 years old, I mean, there's immense pressure when you're talking about swimming, gymnastics, any of these type of sports. Well, and the other thing, too, is, I mean, if you follow Simone Biles, she talked about this before this Olympics. She said it was going to be strange with no fans. She's never performed without her family and friends and her kind of entourage there to look up in the stands and get that encouragement from and then she had a bad opening night in the compulsories we talked about how the usa wasn't first after them she had a couple slips she she almost fell a couple times the vault where she took several steps back on so she wasn't feeling confidence and when you're walking the beam and you're doing the uneven bars and you have so many moves named after you in the sport if you're lacking a little bit of confidence in that mental state yeah, she was. She probably wasn't going to have a good event, and it was probably only going to get worse. You've got to be one. She just put a goat on her leotard to show, to say that she's the greatest of all time. Now she goes from that from not being able to compete. I do think all the things with the stands and the Olympic Village and nobody there and everything else. I think it finally caught up with her. All right, here's more from Simone Biles talking about what is next. I just felt like it would be a little bit better to take a back seat, uh, work on my 
mindfulness and I knew that the girls would do an absolutely great job and I didn't want to risk the team a medal for uh, kind of my screw ups because they've worked way too hard for that. So I just decided that the, those girls need to go in and do the rest of the competition. All right. And then she said that, hey, you know, what's up next? Because she is, you know, people projecting her to win four or five, maybe gold medals here going forward. Will she continue to compete? And she said, we're going to I need to take, take some time and go day by day here. So she basically has about, you know, 36 to 48 hours to make up her mind what she wants to do here. Yeah, and I don't know what she's going to do. I mean, I still think she's the greatest female gymnast of all time, regardless of what happens over in Tokyo or what's going to happen down the road. But after this Olympic, I, I, I see her doing exhibitions and going out on tour and that sort of stuff again, but uh, to make some money and maybe get some more endorsements. But uh, I, I don't think we're going to see her in three years in the next Olympics. All right, All right uh, more Olympics. Uh, this is a sad story, too. USA softball loses to Japan. Final score, 2 nothing in the gold medal game. I know you watched this game uh, probably live, Frank. Uh, this was crazy. I mean, you got to remember, Olympic softball, there are a lot of people that are clamoring for this thing to come back uh, because it, it, it went away after the 2008 Olympic Games, and they said, hey, we're going to bring it back. Um, you know, this year is kind of a test thing. And there, I can tell you, the entire softball community was very excited about this. And you had, you know, kind of a throwback with Kat Osterman and Monica Abbott and a lot of old, uh, you know, elder, um, you know, softball stars for the United States. And they wanted revenge against Japan. So they're playing in the gold medal game. And a lot of people will say, well, boy, the gold medal game, this sure came up really quick. It was a condensed field. It was kind of like a special attraction, but they were playing for gold. Uh, this game came down to this. It was the bottom of the sixth inning. The United States had two on one out, and uh, Amanda uh, uh, Chilsister came up. She hit a rocket down the third baseline that smashed into the Japanese third baseman. It was a line drive, hit off her arm, and ricocheted over to the shortstop who caught it in the air, made a leaping catch, doubled off the runner, end of inning. And basically, end of ball game. The United States couldn't get anything going in the seventh. Final score, 2 nothing. Japan celebrates. And Team USA again in tears. Yeah, and Team USA was in tears. And you mentioned Monica Abbott. She came in and pitched for a while. The uh, woman that was actually in the circle for Japan is actually the same one that beat them in 2008. So she actually plays in the same league with Monica Abbott. So, you know, they know each other very well. That was one of the reasons that they were wondering if Monica was going to pitch because a lot of the Japanese players play over here in the United States in the professional league. So it, it was heartbreaking. But I don't think it was completely shocking. The USA bats never got going. They never got more than two runs in any of the games. They were winning with their pitching. And when they got behind to this Japanese team, it was very tough. You mentioned the two runners on there. It was a shot. It also kind of ticked me off. You talk about the, you know, a terrible Tuesday thing. When they came back after that inning, they didn't show the replay of it. Now, I know that they don't have the editing in that from NBC. They're getting whatever feed they're doing over there. But I'm like, I want to see that again because what exactly happened? Because it was one of the wildest plays I've oh, ever seen. It was absolutely yeah. insane. Yeah. And, and I saw it live, but I didn't see the replay when they came back. I don't know if they showed it after the game or whatever because I kept on going back trying to find it. But, yeah, so that was a little bit disheartening. But, yeah, I mean, they had set the plate. But... The USA had won the last three games in a row on a walk-off in their final at-bats. So it's not like they were rolling. It's not like they were crushing teams. They were winning by their pitching. When Japanese got ahead, when the Japanese team got ahead, you could kind of tell the women were like, okay, you won the game to give you home field. 
But they were totally confident, and they knew this club, and they knew that the USA yeah. bats weren't going. When they got up 2 nothing, they were supremely confident. And then when you saw that play, I don't, I don't know about other people that were watching, but I just kind of shook my head and said, yeah, the seventh ain't going to do it. This is not going to ha- This is going to end up the same way it did in 2008. They're yeah. going to lose to Japan once again. Yeah, yeah. It was. And, and by the way, real quick, too, mm-hmm. they were mentioning in the next Olympics, it won't be there again because they're in France and they don't want softball. Right. So the host country gets a choice. Then yeah. maybe four years after that, they might. That country's kind of on the fence about it. But it's kind of weird. I know the home team gets to add three events or whatever. Mm-hmm. Either tell me it's an Olympic sport or not. And even in Japan, who wanted it because they won in 2008, it was ridiculous the field that they made them play on. In a, in a professional major league men's ballpark in Japan with a big green spot where the, where the mound is for the men's game, the infield dirt there, and the dirt was actually there for the first couple games. No dugouts, no nothing else. It was insulting. It was like saying, yeah, you're, you're part of the Olympics again, yeah. but we don't care about you at all. Yeah, and those are, you know, I, I've said the story before, I've gone to other countries were for softball, and I've seen these facilities, and they're terrible. And you're right, that, that's the thing that people don't realize. It, this didn't come back permanently. You know, like you said, the host country gets to say, you know, pick a couple sports. Three yeah, they sports, get three. And uh, they said, hey, we want to play softball. So... A lot of people were saying, well, how come USA didn't have these, a lot of these traditional blowouts where they'll beat, you know, Ghana or something like, you know, 22 to nothing or whatever? It's because there's only a hand select full of teams yeah. that, that they invited over basically to play softball. Yeah, they were all pretty and, good teams. And, well, Canada's Australia, a good team. Australia, Canada. Yeah. So it was the ones that were really disappointed that softball went away after the 2008 games, and they're trying to bring it back. But again, remember back in those days, there were teams, you know, like Italy and even Germany, their field and teams had no business because they don't play softball. Right. You know, they play at a youth level, but it's not what you think it is. And that's why they got rid of the game because they felt it's non competitive. Basically, you have Japan, you have Australia, you have USA, Canada, and that's really it. And, and it's too bad. They're hoping that the game can continue to grow so it comes back. But that's why this was a very quick. You know, mini tournament, so to speak, is because Japan requested it. Yeah, exactly. And Japan yeah. wanted it back because they did win that gold medal in yeah. 2008. And now they and, want it and again. They, and they play back there for the most part. Yeah, and, and Canada, by the way, if you're wondering, they did beat Mexico for the bronze. Yeah, there you go. All right. So, all right. We're here on Tuesday. All right. Well, you know, when you watch a team, do you cheer for the team or players on that team? Because it seems like when we were kids, when I was growing up in that, you, you loved a team. And if players left, you were upset. Like right now, Vegas Golden Knights fans are upset. Well, Matt Damon is one of those guys out there. When you think of Matt Damon, you think everything Boston. Patriots, Red Sox, whatever. It's all Boston. Bruins. Well, Matt Damon was recently on the Dan Patrick Show. And Matt Damon said, I am a Tom Brady fan. And Dan Patrick said... Well, what if the Patriots played the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl? Set Tom Brady all the way and ended the interview with Go Bucks. Patrick kind of <laughs> laughed and said, well, you mean Go Tom Brady. So Matt Damon, one of the biggest proponents of Boston sports across the board, has now basically said, Robert Kraft and the Patriots, the hell with you guys. It's all about Tom Brady for me. I kind of understand it, but I kind of like, as much as I hate a lot of things the Bears have done, I can't imagine rooting for somebody else to beat them. But, you know, I guess if it, when the guys brought you in know, any Super Bowls and had that much success, 
I guess Matt Damon and a lot of people in Boston now are saying, you know what? The organization let him go. He's still my guy. I'm a Tampa Bay fan now. This is not just a Matt Damon situation. It's not just a, a, a Patriots situation. Okay? I saw this firsthand in Green Bay. And I got to admit, even though I tried to say, okay, I'm not a fan. You're in the media. you got to be partial, uh, impartial and all that sort of thing. I saw it with my own eyes. When Brett Favre left and people were so irate that he left, especially under those circumstances, pretty close to what we're talking about today with Marc-Andre Fleury in the Golden Knights front office, that you basically said the guy, you know, the most popular player that you've had maybe in your entire history or since Bart Starr, especially the quarterback position, that you let him go and he didn't want to go just because yeah. you wanted to make a statement yourself because you're a new general manager. Really kind of ran him out of town. Ran him out of town. 100% random out of time. And again, I, I can remember. I mean, Brett and I didn't live too far from each other. I mean, right down the street. And I remember they had helicopters. They had news cameras because that Ted Thompson and, and Mike McCarthy, they were at his house trying to basically tell him what was going on here and, and, and the reason for it. And it, it was emotional. It was, it was a crazy scene. He didn't find out on Twitter? <laughs> but <laughs> what happened here was... That when he went to the Jets, and people said, okay, the Jets. And the Packers said, well, we're not going to do it. But Brett played it perfectly, retired from the Jets, came back, signed with the Vikings. Oh, my goodness. You had Packer diehard fans that hate the Minnesota Vikings that were turning into Vikings fans. That had number four Vikings they jerseys. Did. 100%. They oh, did. I know. I saw For some of them. two seasons. I saw some so of them. Being at that game where Brett Favre came back as a Vikings, it was the most... I don't know, I want to call it eerie, surreal, unusual type of, of atmosphere it was. It was like an alternate universe. It was. It was. Because you no one was going to boo Brett. But some few people felt that they had to because they didn't have the proper information. But there was Packer slash now Viking fans rooting for number four. And what happened after Brett Favre actually retired? Of course, they went back to being Packer fans again. But this is... I think the charisma that a superstar player has with his fans, and if you feel connected to him and say, I think he's responsible for winning us a Super Bowl, like Matt Damon and probably a lot of Patriots fans do, I, I can see that. Well, I will say one thing that Tom Brady does still have in common with the Patriots. You know, him and Robert Kraft both scored down in Florida. <laughs> All right. Uh, I just... I don't, don't know where to go with this thing. All right. Speaking of the Packers, Aaron Rodgers shows up. That's right. He was at training camp this morning at 8.28 a.m. He reports over to 1265 Lombardi Avenue. Yes, it's the first time he's been back there since his exit interview. Boy, we've said exit interview quite a few times today, haven't we? With Marc-Andre Fleury and Kelly McCrimmon and, and now uh, with Aaron Rodgers. Yes. So he avoids the $50,000 a day fine that he would, would have incurred by not showing up. Some people in Green Bay are saying, you know, he still might not practice, but he's there right now. We're talking practice, yeah, man. We're talking practice. So if you're there, you got to practice. He's probably going to practice. He missed all the OTAs. The Packers could fine him $93,000, but I doubt that's going to happen. And so now, here's what I hope, okay? I hope that it does not turn into this terrible 
training camp now where these players are going to have to live with a circus type of atmosphere. They should be on hard knocks. Yeah. That's who should be yes. on hard knocks. But, you know, you got to sign off on that. And the Packers said, we'll never be on hard knocks because they don't want the circus. They should force them for the betterment of the whole league. But if you're Aaron Rodgers, just do this. Just go ahead. Say why you're there. Say how you feel. Get it out in the open and say, I'm never going to talk about it again. And, and squash it. But the circus will ensue in Green Bay because he won't say anything. He's, he'll probably keep quiet. But, again, it's, it's like the Kelly McCrimmon situation. Get out in front of these things. Get out in front. Prepare yourself. Because, again, it is Green Bay, Wisconsin. You have fans that come from all over, not just Wisconsin, but the United States, to watch practice. you got 20,000 at practices. You're going to have 50,000 for your, your green and gold scrimmage is going to be coming up here pretty soon. And... Just, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you could squash it. And this is what makes me sick. Just handle your business. Now, I don't think that's what Aaron Rodgers does. I think he no. loves the drama. He loves the soap opera. And uh, he's more a kind of guy that likes to get behind things instead of uh, get in front of them. And it's just like his, you know, I'll, I'll correlate it in here with his, um, you know, his personal life as well, too. He's now on his, what, third Hollywood starlet? And I'm going to throw Danica Patrick in there because not she was a movie star, but she was a famous you know, oh, she, she, she's probably more famous than the Hollywood stars that he's right. been with. Then Olivia Munn, and they all tell, oh, we're going to get married and this and that. And then, you know, he doesn't last in these relationships. And now he's got his, his current one, who actually was a friend of Danica Patrick, I guess. And, and I guess she introduced her. And now he's he's with her, and she's saying, no, we're getting married. Maybe he wants to renegotiate the marriage contract. Yeah, I just, I don't know. <laughs> but you know how I feel about this guy. I mean, just, you know, we, we're going to be hearing about this story just until it goes away. Sign your deal. Get it done. You showed up. You said you weren't going to show up. You wanted to be coy. We all knew he was going to show up because he didn't hold any of the cards. And it cracks me up. These people are like, are changing the odds now. Oh, we had the Denver Broncos as a favorite. We knew he wasn't going to Denver. If you're one of those people who bet on the Denver Broncos to win the Super Bowl because he might go there, I'm glad you're going to lose your money because you deserve to. There you go. You deserve to lose. Well, you know, um, we're talking about the NFL and their COVID protocols and this and that and that they want people to uh, get the shot. Well, if you saw this or not recently, but uh, there's a certain proponent of the NBA who says, the hell with asking people to get the shot. The NBA ought to make them get the shot. Charles Barkley has come out and said, enough of this tiptoeing around and this, that, and the other. It's for the betterment of the league. It's for basketball in general. It's for everything else out there. The NBA should mandate that every single player get the COVID shot or you are not playing. End of story. Not sure how the Players Association, lawyers, and other things would feel about this. I'm not completely opposed to what Sir Charles has said. Just not sure how practical or realistic that's going to be. Okay, so here's the deal. All you have to do is look to your sisterhood right right across. You look to the WNBA. And the WNBA did not say in those words that you must get or whatever. The way they approached this was beautiful. It was actually ingenious. It was smart. It was tactical, and it got done. They said, listen, in order for us to get a full season, in order for you guys to get paid— in order for us to have a complete season and even have fans in the building, which you all want, we highly recommend, highly suggest, and basically beg you to get the shot. Because if all of our team is vaccinated, 
you've got probably virtually no shot of being sidelined this year. And you know what all the women said? I'm down for that. 99% of the WNBA players are vaccinated. We've had no cases. We've had no problems. They're going to get a full season. And again, if it wasn't an Olympic year, fans would already basically be back in the stands at full capacity. And the Aces have had 2,500. They had 5,500 for the All-Star game. So they hope when August 15th rolls around and everybody comes back clean that they can get back to normal like the NFL is going to do. But how hard is it to just look at the WNBA and get it done? You really think the NBA is going to look at the WNBA and say that, oh, they did it right, we're going to... Well, they, 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 they support them big time. They are so... They back the WNBA like you wouldn't believe. Every player backs the WNBA. Nobody has anything bad to say about the WNBA. No, they, what I think they need to do in the NBA, I mean, that's one thing that they could do, but they need the superstars of the league and the leaders of this league to come out and say, look, we all need to do this. They need the leaders to be leaders. And we're not getting that right now. And there's still a lot of people, and we certainly see it in the NFL. Well, I still don't know about it, or this, that, or there. Well, people are still getting it. So it's not, you know, people still don't believe in the vaccine. They still think the government's doing something. they got to get and, educated. And I understand not trusting the government, because I don't. Yeah. But there's certain things. Again, it's a vaccine. It's not going to be 100%. But if it makes you not have to go to the hospital, even if you do get it or the other things, there's way more pros than cons for it. Right. But you're still going to have some people that just aren't going to get it done unless you mandate it. And I don't know if they're going to be able to legally do that or something, because I know there's one thing. There's a lot of lawyers out there that are hoping that they do something like that because they're going to try to get rich on it, you know, one way or the other. Yeah. And again, I, I really believe it's just a lack of education. You know, you, you need to be able to, to talk to somebody or somebody, not so much the leaders of the league, but doctors. I mean, I know when you and I went through, I'll speak for myself. I mean, I had questions, you know, I talked to doctors. I talked to Dr. Christina Madison and said, hey, you know, we're hearing this and we ask her on the air, ask her off the air. And, and I, I felt comfortable. It felt totally comfortable. A lot of people do. So you just, I think you've got to be educated. A lot of these guys are, are not willing to do that. They want to be hard-headed. And, again, I think, you know, you got to open yourself up to, to be educated and have everybody collectively, collectively come together here and say, listen, if we as a team are vaccinated – we more than likely are going to be healthy. We're not going to have games forfeited because of the NFL is saying this year you're going to be you're going to forfeit games. And more importantly for them, it's all about the money that you're not going to forfeit paychecks. So I think everyone's just got to step forward and do it, and then we don't have to worry about it. Put this chapter behind us. Well, while I tend to agree with you, I will say this: I don't think all the doctors have done the greatest job on this because they are constantly, it seems like, flip-flopping here and there. And when the CDC can't be the same as the World Health Organization in that, yeah. there's been a lot of misinformation and flip-flopping from some of the doctors. Mm. I certainly don't think that's helped the situation. Right. All right, you got some terrible Tuesday takes. And always hit us on Twitter at TCMartin21 at VGK Frank. We come back. We're gonna take you live out to Raiders training camp there opening day. Heidi Fang joins us next. Now, more from your favorite sports radio physician. Wow, that's the best news I heard in a dog's age. The Doctor T.C. Martin. Today, opening day, Raiders.
Buccaneers training camp. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers had their opener uh, today. Heard it was like a, about 105 degrees there for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. With humidity. With humidity. You know, Green Bay officially opens theirs tomorrow. It's uh, in the 80s there in beautiful Green but Bay. But one's got the Jolly Rogers and one has Aaron Rodgers. Right. Which would you rather have? Yeah, I'll take Jolly <laughs> Rogers anytime. There you go. Heidi Fang hanging out. I don't know if she's got a you know a hat on, a sombrero. She's finding air conditioning. She's under tents, or she's just you know uh, doing her thing from afar. Maybe she's got one of those little umbrellas that she's walking around with that people do for the sun. Exactly the umbrella, the Heidi Fang umbrella. I mean, that could probably be one of those items that we could get uh, you know marketed and you know autographed. Do you remember when Lou Brock had the Brock umbrella years ago? No, I do not. Lou Brock actually had made up a product. And it was like a headband that you were, but it had a little umbrella on top, and they actually called it the Brock umbrella. It did not do well. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would we call Heidi Fang's, uh, you know, hat or umbrella? What the, would you call that? The Fangella. The Fangella. That's what I thought. There you go. There it is. Okay. There she is. All right. Heidi Fang, bring it in, girl. What do you go? Are you hydrated? Uh, like a Coachella. Okay. The Fangbrella. <laughs> Coachella. I'm staying hydrated. I like. I got- it. I got my coffee right here, sitting in the Raiders media room still. Coffee? Trying to pull coffee. away some work. Oh, yeah. That's because Heidi's a closer. Pumping. Pumping. <laughs> get the caffeine flowing. All time. Bring it on. Nubchat, can you give me some beats behind Heidi Fang? If she's going to drop <laughs> lyrics like that, can we get some beats? You know? <laughs> And I know what she's doing right. She's looking around, making sure no one's staring at her because, you know, when she oh, comes no, I got on. I the guy right here. Yeah. We, it's we... like he's the audio tech. Yeah. So he's hanging out, too. We got audio tech. We could put on some, like, you know, reverb for you if you want. Yeah. Get some mic feedback going. Whatever Mix it takes. it in the flow. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here she is. Heidi Fang dropping some, some knowledge. Heidi Fang busting it loose from the Raiders training camp facility. Heidi busting move. What do you got? This beat's a bit slow. I can't quite know. I'm trying to put something together with this flow. Oh, you picked it up, and I'm just here like a nut. Still trying to work and get this stuff done. But I got no fun because the gun is in my head on the time. Getting one and done here at the Raiders camp. If that doesn't get tweeted out and go viral, I don't know what it is. Heidi Fang of the T.C. Martin Show. Give us some love. There it is. Outstanding girl. I don't know what I was talking about. I was like, what rhymes with done? Uh, yeah. Done. Yeah, I don't know. I thought, I thought you were going to do something with the sun since it's so hot out there, but, you know, I wasn't going to oh, interrupt your flow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're just and, you know, about- it's like the sun is in front of my face, too, because the Allegiant logo has it coming up over the eye, and here I am, not thinking of sun, that was subliminally talking to me. So the sun basically is dotting the eye. Yeah. I can yes, guarantee. I can guarantee you that was probably the first and maybe last time and only time that this type of interview would take place at that Raiders facility in that media room. There it is, Heidi. Figure. They're not used to that. Yeah. They're not used to that. Uh, over there. It's me and and I don't know what's your name, Mister <laughs> Patrick. Your, Patrick. Right. Patrick and I are holding it down. All right, you tell John Gruden right or, or, or Mark Davis uh, to to stroll in here as well too. We'll get them up with some beats. You know, it's Heidi's. Okay. It's, okay. It's, it's Heidi's Raider rap. There it is. <laughs> I didn't hear one Raiders Terrible. reference. I didn't hear one silver and black reference there. It doesn't matter. That's the label. There it is. <laughs> What's happening over there? Um, produced by me and my cartel friends. Yeah. <laughs> what is going on over there? It's uh, it's all quiet now. How was it this morning? 
Uh, quiet as well. I mean, it was kind of, you know, reporting day, the players checking in. Uh, they had to go through their physical process, and, you know, everybody had to come through at headquarters, at media. We were all testing, even regardless of status. You know, the NFL is taking it serious, as you've seen with the protocols. So all of us got in here, um, did our testing, and, you know, it's uh, – a lot different than last year, but at the same time, a little bit reminiscent as well. Um, different in the sense that we got to speak with John Gruden live today in person. No more Zoom. Right. That yeah. was fun. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, yeah, it's a different dynamic. It's always exciting to see people in person, right? But the you know protocols are all still very much in place. The screening, the questionnaires, the testing. So you know it's going to be interesting to see how everything starts unfolding as the world starts to return to somewhat normal. Do you see you know access to players like it was you know going back two years ago, or or is that going to be you know very very wait tight? and see? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a wait and see process with that. So I have put in a couple requests and we'll see if I get them, and I'll let you know how that goes if I do. But for right now, it's, you know, it's a limited basis. So, And for tiered media, there's two different uh, access levels. If you're not vaccinated, you're on a completely different end and entrance and parking than the media who are. So uh, that'll be something as well I'll probably be looking at and seeing how that works once we're all out in the field together. You know, obviously, it, this is a hot-button topic, you know, right now with the memo that went out to the teams and the players from the NFL, uh, really encouraging everyone to get vaccinated. And we've heard some high-profile players saying, hey, I, I'm not getting vaccinated. You know, Leonard Fournette said, vaccine, can't do it. DeAndre Hopkins, never thought I would say this, but being put in a position to hurt my team because I don't want to partake in the vaccine is making me question my future in the NFL. I just got a feeling, Heidi, that this is going to be prevalent throughout training camps here. And, uh, you know, you don't want your locker room divided. You don't want to, you know, have people that are vaccinated with people that aren't vaccinated. Uh, It's kind of a little bit of a slippery slope. Uh, Did John Gruden talk anything about that today? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was asked and he had replied that they have most of their staff as well as most of their players vaccinated. Uh, they're looking right now at, he said, maybe under five players who are not. And he didn't obviously name those five people, but he did say that uh, they respect and appreciate their positions. And the, the different reasons that, that people have, they're going to try to just work with them as best that they can. So uh, that's pretty much all he had to say about it, you know, and looking forward to hopefully having a majority of his team you know, working together as vaccinated players, which, of course, it's going to be hard, I think, on a lot of the guys that aren't vaccinated because they're going to have to go through a different process. They can't eat with their team. They can't um, travel with their team. They, I don't even believe they can stay in the same team hotel. These are all things I'm still reading through. Everything is quite comprehensive as far as what all came out. But there's uh, going to be a lot of differences between the groups that are and aren't this year. You mentioned the fact that there's only a handful of Raiders that haven't been vaccinated. Um, you know, maybe we'll find out. Maybe they'll actually get vaccinated. But you mentioned, too, that the media is kind of separated a little bit with different entrances and different things out there. What percentage of the media is vaccinated right now? Or do you have any idea or at least a ballpark I figure of it? Yeah, I think I could figure it out by, you know, tomorrow or so when we're actually out in the field because today we're just in the media room. So um, I think that... 
that they're calling them tier three media that aren't vaccinated. So anybody that's a tier three, I don't even think is allowed in the media room. So that, you know, I wouldn't know who they were by today just because today we only worked in the media room. Right. But yeah, as we start to get the season going and underway, we'll, there will be a difference because they won't have the same access. Heidi Fang joins us, Las Vegas Review Journal. You can follow all of her stuff at the at the RJ. And uh, she'll be doing videos, articles. It's all there for you. Uh, I thought it was pretty interesting that John Gruden was pretty honest with his assessment when he was talking about his expectations this year, specifically the defensive side of the ball. He's got a lot of new guys. He sounds pretty excited. But he's really kind of taking the approach of like, you know, uh, I think that we're, we're, we're going to have some depth. We're going to be pretty good. And if these guys don't hit, then you know what? We're going to look back and say, hey, we made some mistakes here. But it's kind of refreshing for him because he's such a player's coach and he gets so excited with a lot of these guys. And he says, hey, you know, right now we're still an 8-8 eight and eight football team and, and basically we're, we're average. Yeah, um, he he did grade them as a C. He mm-hmm. was asked today what grade that he would give the team, and he said C. And based on last year, obviously being eight and eight, and I think this year, uh, all that they're looking forward to is trying to make the playoffs. That's the next step, and that's where this team needs to go for um, a lot of reasons. With John Gruden at the helm, with what they're paying him on his contract, with Derek Carr in a contract year, uh, there's a lot of things you want to see out of these guys that. Uh, you know, obviously the fan base as well. Last year was difficult, I think, for a lot of people not being able to go out to a game and see the Raiders. And now that they're able to, they want to see this team win. You mentioned that he rates them a C, and I know that they do individual things on positions and this, that, and the other as well. What is the biggest strength of this team? What is the biggest weakness? The biggest weakness right now is glaring, and that's the defense. The secondary needs to step up. The pressure needs to be there on the front line. They need to have a solid middle ground with the linebackers that uh, can create a presence and make offenses have to push the envelope against them. Right now, they're not doing that. Uh, I think that the... The strength of this team right now has been, honestly, the consistency of Derek Carr, though he gets a bad rap, I think, a lot of the time for, you know, things that he is misstepped with. But when you think about Carr, his ability to be the leader of this team, as well as Josh Jacobs and um, setting, you know, a decent a run game for this team, you're going to be able to now partner those things with guys like Henry Ruggs, who's got a full year under his belt, and Darren Waller, who is all pro tight end, and having the new addition of Kenyon Drake to the backfield. All of those things are going to help this offense produce this year, and we're going to see how well that they can do if this defense can at least get to an average level. Yeah, the offense, they're a top-eight de- uh, offense. We know that. They're, they should be able to score. You know, again, running back, check the box. Wide receivers, check the box. Tight end, check the box. For the most part, you're right. Car, check the box. But I think still the offensive line, a little bit of a question mark, too. And if they can protect him and keep him upright, I think, yeah, the Raiders are going to be able to to consistently score 30-plus points. It's, it's what's going to happen to the defense. I, I, I totally agree with you there, uh, Heidi. When you look at the way this team is uh, approaching this camp here, it seems like that they're a little bit more bonded. 
You know what I mean? It, it seems like the, the, the Gruden is saying he's going to do some other activities to really get these guys together. Because I, I, you know, just kind of reading between the lines and hearing him talk, I kind of feel that like there was a little bit of a disconnect, maybe with some of the personnel and even the coaching staff. And I think that's why he brought in Gus Bradley to take care of the defense because he really wasn't getting that with Paul Gunther. Give me some thoughts on that. Yeah, the the newly constructed defensive base, I'm going to call it, not just from the fact that you have so many new players in the mix, but also the coaching. You have Richard Smith, the linebackers. You have um, Milas with the secondary. And those are guys that have worked under Gus Bradley for some time. So when you start thinking about their ability to lead new defenses and to work with Gus Bradley and the cohesion that he's had with these coaches, bringing it here to the Raiders and those groups, I think it's really going to help them come along. And a lot of people have praised uh, Gus Bradley's defensive system and his scheme for being a lot more simple and easy for people, especially rookies, to be able to pick up and apply. And I think that was a lot of what had happened with Gunther's defense was that it was more complex in various ways. And the players weren't able to pick it up, and a lot of them were getting thrown crazy amounts of plays uh, before a game, from what I understand, like up to 120 different ones per game. So when you're trying to remember that and then know your assignments, it's easy to miss when you have that much to try to soak in over the course of a week and preparing for a team. So now when you have a guy like Gus Bradley with the cover three system that he brings, it's going to be a lot easier for some of the younger guys to pick up and apply. And I think the assignments, you'll see a lot less missing with uh, the system that he runs. When it comes to uh, this team, have you got a feel yet? Because I know you haven't really had the one-on-ones with the players in that, of how excited they're going to be to have fans back in the stands. And what do you think that home field advantage is going to be like for them at Allegiant Stadium? Because it seems like when that place gets filled up, it's going to be pretty rocking. Yeah, that's a curious thing because, you know, when we've watched out there, Frank, you and I have been to several Knights games and hockey, all this, you know, with the Knights, it's a very, very pro-Vegas crowd. And I think that's going to be interesting to see how many fans are truly here for the Raiders coming to Allegiant or if it's a lot of people coming off from vacation to come see, like, you know, the team that they want to watch inside of Allegiant. And so will it be the away team kind of home field advantage or will it be the Raiders home field advantage? And that's something that because Vegas being the tourist destination that it is, we have yet to see how it plays out. So, and I believe the earlier part of the question was about, you know, what I've been able to see yet with the, the team. And I, you know, because it's, just the parts that I've been able to take away from our mini camp and OTAs, I haven't got to see a lot yet. And I'm really hoping, I think it said August 8th was the first day in pads. That's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> right. All right. Speaking of Golden Knights, uh, quick take, Heidi, when you got the news or heard the news about Marc-Andre Fleury being traded to the Blackhawks. Yeah. Um, I think the Knights as an organization, um, you know, did what they had to to make space in room from his contract and what he was due in the coming season. Obviously it's heartbreaking for fans because he was one of the fan favorites. A lot of the a franchise face, you know, he was the face of the franchise for a lot of reasons. And he was a very good natured person that people love to root for. You wanted to see him come back after he was benched as a starter in place of Robin Leonard back in 2020 and what he did to come back and, and being the trophy winner that he was this year and getting third most, uh, all time wins list, you know, these types of things were all things that made Flurry just 
uh, icon of this team as he was brought in during that expansion draft in 2017 as a, as a three-time Stanley Cup winner. And I think that, you know, it's going to be hard for a lot of fans to accept it, but they took him and probably sold him at the highest that you can with the stock that he had based off of this past season. Now, you know, obviously, um, when you look at the semifinal, there were some mistakes that he made there that cost the team, and he is getting up there in age. So it's hard to really look at now based off of what he accomplished last season. But I think if you're looking at it from a business perspective, it was their move to make, and he's not getting any younger. And, you know, you have to think about how much of a value you could bring for him in, in this case. All right, so when it comes to uh, the Vegas Golden Knights and that, it seems like the, one of the biggest sticking points is the way that it was done. Supposedly, Fleury heard this on Twitter and that. We've seen the Golden Knights now for they're, going, they're getting ready for season number five. Is there a little bit of stigma? I know there's business, and that's what hockey is and all pro sports are, but could this have been done better? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the case, I think, with most trades is a lot of them kind of shocks, you know, the fans as to the people as to how they're being dealt with. Now, of course, there's two sides to the story. The agent says that he wasn't really told by the Knights organization that he was going to be traded. But then you see the um, the story that Kelly McCrimmon says during his press conference that, you know, they said it to him as the offseason started that they were going to look to, you know, trade him and they thought he was going to retire and all these different things come out. So, you know, does he end up playing for the Blackhawks? Who knows? He said he wanted to walk away as a knight. But I think with trades and the way the business is run in sports these days, there's, you know, it's hard for me to really judge what happened and where the disconnect was unless I'm involved in the situation. Social media has this way about it of being like one story and then another story and then his story or then this guy's tweet. But you don't know what really happened behind closed doors unless you're, you know, in there, in the room. And I I wish I was to be able to really give it a proper evaluation. But, you know, unfortunately with our day and age of tweets and what we see on Instagram and Tilmark Andre Fleury speaks and tells us what the situation was. I just have to try to go, well, one guy said one thing, one guy said another, maybe somewhere in the middle in there. There's the the real truth of what happened. (laughs) All right, Heidi, check her out. Heidi Fang, Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, Enjoy your time this week, and uh, we will definitely catch up with you uh, a lot during training camp. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, guys. All right, she is Heidi Fang. Stay cool and hydrated out there. Check her out at the Las Vegas ReviewJournal.com. All right, I want to thank BJ Armstrong for joining us today as well, too, and uh, all of our terrible Tuesday stuff. Check it all out at tcmartinshow.com. And uh, how ironic. What's the Chicago Blackhawks uh, goal song? It's, uh, you know, Chelsea Dagger. There so, it is. Yeah. Dagger, swords, same type of thing. There you go. Hey, right? by the way, real quick, congratulations to Lydia Jacoby. If you didn't see last night, 17-year-old from Seward, Alaska, yes. wins a gold in the breaststroke. Yes. She doesn't even have a 50-meter pool to train in. It's a 25-meter pool. There's no 50-meter pool for her to train in, and this 17-year-old wins gold. That was a pretty cool story last night. That was cool. All right, Miss Any part of the show, you know where to go, tcmartinshow.com. We'll catch you tomorrow. Paul Buckpower Stewart, Chris Bosio join us. Turns in. Tune in tomorrow at 2.